Hey everybody, welcome to part two of the Christmas bonus episode. If you haven't already checked out part one, I would suggest checking that out first as it really frames our discussion here in part two. However, if you don't have time, no worries. In this episode, we talk a lot about why Christians who share the same fundamental beliefs can disagree so strongly on a wide variety of issues and why that's actually a good thing. We also get into freedom of speech and then we have a decent argument about whether the American dream, by extension, the Canadian dream, are essentially Christian ideas or not. Hopefully you find this episode to be enjoyable and at least mildly informative. Please let us know what your thoughts are on all this. Uh, as mentioned previously, if you're interested in advertising on Real Talk, please send us an email. It is linked down below. All right, folks, without further ado, please enjoy part two of the Christmas bonus episode. So well, you said you said liberal versus conservative, so I, that, that triggered me. <laughs> I did me. not say versus. I said <laughs> oh, right, liberal no. and conservative. No, I would say versus. That's not bad versus good or good versus bad. It's no, just I never said different. one is bad and one is good. I was yes. just saying. That is one thing I wanted to, to bring up because I think that's been one thing that when I talk to people about the things that I've listened to or watched, that's everyone's eyes kind of like glaze over for a bit. And then they're like, oh, hey, that's totally how it is. Totally. Um. It, Tim, you want to crack a window so we don't absolutely fry here, and then Tyler can explain. His, his <laughs> this is like this thing. is getting off of uh, um, a race and and all that. But I thought, well, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was thinking, like, if we want it, if we're getting away from, <clears throat> oh, we'll get um, back to it. Okay, yeah, there's no getting away from it. Yeah, <laughs> this is taking a break from our our uh, white fragility for a minute. Um, uh, so. This, a lot of this stems, we haven't even said Jordan Peterson's name yet, man. Um, yeah. This, a lot of this stems from um, his research and, but I guess just psychology in general. Well, and, and so, Jonathan Haidt as well. That's a really good book I read yeah. called uh, Why Good People Are Divided by Religion and Politics. Mm. And uh, that was pretty informative uh, and impactful in the way I think about issues. Any. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, you help me out here. So basically, so you have, I, I see conservatives versus liberals, but. Um, what makes up a conservative person or a liberal person, um, in essence, is personality, and that's what they—that's what they kind of, it, yes. yeah, a lot of what they. So it's a large factor, um, and that's not how it's usually framed. It's usually framed as politics. It's usually framed right. as uh, you know, you like this and you like that, yeah. um, and I think that's unhelpful, especially in our churches. So we talk of conservative churches and liberal churches in our denomination, which I think is—it's not inaccurate necessarily but it gets it gets but it gets blackened it, by the political terms right exactly so so in essence maybe you just i'll try to describe what conservative people and liberal people are but well correct I, me if i'm a little wrong like i do have well go ahead with your i like right. i have the character traits that well, you got the five okay, you go you so, have five character traits and explain why one is conservative so one's thing liberal. Right here? Yeah, 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 yeah that's right okay. so maybe i'll pull your thing up too. um within psychology the general there's generally five now now the not everyone five. The big five. Yeah. Not everyone agrees with this division of character traits, but mm. uh, most people do. So the big five, you can remember them by the uh, acronym OCEAN. So mm. O is openness. Uh, C is conscientiousness. E is extroversion. A is agreeableness. And N is neuroticism. So um, maybe explain them as you go to, because I never understood a bunch <laughs> of these. So, so openness is um, essentially 
it's been a little while since I've it really... bugs openness to experience too. Right. Openness to openness to new ideas, yeah. openness, openness to experience. Yeah. To yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it includes creativity as well. Yep. Generally, creative people are very high in openness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the opposite of openness is sort of it, like you can define it as conservative, right? Yeah. They they want to hold on to routine what, what exists exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's openness. So yeah, so high openness, liberal. So generally creatively yes. open to experience. Um, I think I'm just trying to think. Entrepreneurs would fit into there really, really well. Yeah. Often, so yeah. that would be the liberal end of that that specific trait spectrum. Right. So it'd be like you are um if you're high most um entrepreneurs are high in openness because they're willing to go out of their way to experience different things and try even if they fail yeah yeah so yep. that's the liberal end and the conservative end is like well i'm just okay with going to work coming home nine to five whatever so that's that's kind of how those things are more framed. like uh, rather than framing conservative like that um i'd frame conservative as as seeking stability right oh, yeah stability There's, security stability mm-hmm. and security they they prioritize that right and yeah, I was All just right, gonna keep, say keep this will just this will be a theme as we go throughout. But yeah. it's not a it's not a poll like the either ends of it are not good bad. Like well, no, that's they, right. they need each other. This is the whole point. This is the whole point. But we'll yeah. go through. Yeah, not Mike. Yeah. Yeah. So then then on to conscientiousness. Um, conscientiousness. It's just um, kind of your level of almost um, self motivation. Like mm. you're motivated to get jobs done. Versus um, the opposite of that, where you procrastinate and you delay doing mm. things. Stuff. I think like, like attention to detail would fall in there, probably. Um, yeah, likely if you're high in conscientiousness, you're also you also pay attention to detail yeah. quite closely. So again, um, if you're high in conscientiousness, you're more likely conservative. If you're low in conscientiousness, then you're more likely on the liberal side. Yeah. I like I always go back to business because that's where I live. But um, it so in this trait, conscientious people are. Um, high conscientious people are often managers and um, right. are very good at yeah menial menial tasks. So repetition, not missing things. Right. So not, not they, just menial, but also they're good at menial. systems. Yes, so making things in work. place yeah. systems. Yeah. Like like the typical way this is described is like you need the open, creative, liberal to take the risk. And start the business and come up with the idea, mm-hmm. but you need the conservative person to come in to run and it, manage to manage it. the system that and yeah, kind of so help that, create it. Perhaps so yeah. with conscientiousness, like high conscientiousness is conservative um, concentration on something like that. Low volatility is also a factor. Yeah. Did you take the that, Peterson course by the, the way? No, I didn't. Okay, that's I, neuro- I did. That's like, neuroticism. I like, so. Tons of notes right okay. here. So, so if you get stuck, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now I didn't find a whole lot on the the other three character traits. Do you have that? I Actually, do. Yeah. yeah. So extroversion, which is is it, all these are kind of divided into two little parts. Mm-hmm. So extroversion mm-hmm. uh, is compassion and politeness. Those are the two sub traits under mm-hmm. under extroversion. So um, yeah, compassion is usually more of a, a liberal value, although it, it's. It breaks down after the first two. After that's well, right. So after the, the first, first two, two are the, the key ones. You really have that distinction. Yeah, yeah, but you're also like you can be you can be high in one thing, low in another thing, middle of the road. Right. You're all over the place, and even you're saying they're breaking these things down. This comes from the Peterson, um, what is it, understand yourself um, website. Yeah, model like, like of how he lays yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. So Basically. he actually subcategorizes like you're high in this section of yeah uh, agreeableness and low in this one. Yeah. So but like it, it, the breakdown on this one is like liberals tend to be a little more compassionate on average mm-hmm. on yeah. average i mean again like you say people kind of slot themselves in in a bit of different spots yeah but politeness tends to go to the the conservatives on this one yeah so mm-hmm. that's just that's kind of how that breaks down yeah. the next one is agreeableness 
And that's uh, subdivided into enthusiasm and assertiveness. So those are two two big traits. Yeah. Right so this one I always view in business as um, Peterson often, often talks about it. Um, so these are both more agree. liberal things. Yes. So enthusiasm and, and assertiveness. Yes. Um, because the it, next is one it, is assertiveness more liberal. Yeah. Typically, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Anyways, um, he always he always talks about this about men and women because this is where men and right. women differ, yes. differ quite a bit. Yeah. Um, women tend to be a lot more agreeable than men, which. Men tend to be more assertive. That that makes up for the wage gap. <laughs> so men seem to be more assertive in the way that they deal with their lives. More um, in general, very, very general statement. Um, the distributions overlap, obviously, but um, that's what he always says. There's right? more similarity between men and women than there is difference. Yes, of course. But the distribution, so there's a speaking. lot more. Yeah. Um, there's more men who are less agreeable than there are women. And so that, that, kind of ties back into like the crime rate. It kind of ties back into like, um, in, in business it's like, uh, I make more because I ask for more. Right. And so that's, that's, you're less agreeable. You like to, you like to basically just put up an argument with everything. Yeah. So that's typically more of a male trait than, than a female trait. Um, yeah. so I think that's, that's how that one's framed. I don't know exactly how male or conservative liberals land on that. Again, the, the binary kind of breaks down these last a three. Bit, yeah. But it's mainly those main two of openness yeah, and conscientiousness. Right. The final one's neuroticism, just if anyone's interested. And then you get the the subcategories of industriousness and uh, orderliness. Yeah. So which it's, tend that's to be like that's a, why I say volatility, are, right? No, volatility is under open. Uh, sorry, under conscientiousness. So really, is it? Yeah. So, but the point behind all of this <laughs> is that um, character traits are generally what is referred to as immutable so they they don't change you can't change very your character. little it's very tricky. very little you can you can yeah. kind of um change how your character expresses itself to a certain extent but you're actually your actual character traits are, are largely unchangeable nearly locked in your dna also to a certain extent yes the funny thing about that is like peterson this is the test that you did right this is where it came from mm -hmm. um his he he would say that exactly and so you can only take his test once online right yeah that's right <laughs> so it's like make it a good time because you're not going to do it again yeah so you'd have to like pretend to be someone else if you want to get a second analysis <laughs> but his point was like you are who you are so yeah, like do this one test well and you'll get you'll get a pretty accurate representation of who you are right and you know that is who you are it's yeah. not like yeah there's not a whole lot of movement there yeah and and the point behind that is is if if liberals kind of fall into one category of personality traits and conservatives into another, well, your disagreement, it, like generally, like I kind of split the difference between a few of them. But say, let's say I'm conservative and let's say I'm talking to a liberal and we're in a heated argument. Our differences might not be on on policy or how we see the world, but the differences might be in our character mm -hmm. and that's not changeable. Right. Yeah. The way I always like to think about it is that, so the world is a very complex place and there are just a multitude of facts out there to consider mm. and you can't possibly consider all of them at once. Right. So how do you take in the facts that the world presents? If you want to look at it like that, well, you take it in through uh, your worldview yeah. and the things that stick out to you first. Worldview is, is shaped by what you believe, obviously. So within the church, you know, hopefully that's a fundamental uh, basis that we all have, mm -hmm. the scriptural teachings, teachings of Christ. But then how else do you choose what to pull out of the world first 
that kind of form your initial reactions. And then, you know, you take on more things and mm-hmm. you, you get more nuance in your opinions. Well, it's, it's your psychology, it's yeah. your character, yeah. it's your it's personality. Your character trait so if you're that. an openness, like high and openness liberal, you're going to see certain, certain facts and certain traits are going to stick out to you first, like, like sooner. So if you're mm-hmm. kind of the entrepreneurial type and you're like, you like survey the landscape, you're going to see all the opportunity. You're like, oh, wow, there's so many, oh, so many opportunities for business here. This is fantastic. But if you're more of a conservative, uh, very, not, not much of a risk taker and you're like, ah, I gotta stay, stay home, mend the fort. Like you like, like take the stock market, for example, that's a good one where you get more conservative people like don't like the risk. Uh, I'll just, you know, mutual funds for me or something, whatever it is, right. or even something safer like real yeah. estate or something. And that's not, that's not disparaging conservatives at all because conservatives make very good like managers and stuff like that. Well, the liberals win more maybe, decision. but they also lose more. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I always think like, so the, Liberal, win, win if you, bigger, I should say. Sorry. What's that? I was going to say win bigger is what I meant to say. Liberals, liberals will win bigger, like they'll take bigger swings. At right. The, yeah. Swings okay. At the so that, this ties right back into it. So, lose more so the entrepreneurial thing, I think is like a pretty good way to look at it. So if you think uh, liberals, liberal characteristics often determine who, you know, if you are more entrepreneurial. So technically. Openness. openness. You sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, like. Which is associated with political liberals. Yeah. No, but I would say. Um personality traits dictates whether you're on something like this would dictate like you're a liberal um more liberal person than a conservative if i can phrase a phrase like that is if, that fair if you're higher in openness yeah yeah no that's what i mean so okay. if you're higher in openness i think you, you're considered a liberal uh, in this liberal not category. for sure but that's that's the generalization Sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So maybe that's not the best way to phrase it, but I would say, so by the technical definition, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. But I would say compared to many, many people that I know, I am in no way creative. So I am, I'm very, I'm actually not that high. I don't think in, in openness. So I'm an entrepreneur who found something to do and did it, which is a very like conservative mindset. It's like, I'm a good manager. Go, go. Well, here's something to do that can make some money. Go do that. Oh, he would be like, wow, you started a business. Well, that's not necessarily entrepreneurial. So entrepreneurial to me is like the creative aspect of it. So if you're an artist, you take tons of risk because there are very few artists who make it big, right? So this is very typical of, um, an entrepreneur, well, of a creative field. So like musicians, artists, well, artists, musicians, uh, painters, like Authors, all these things, right? Anybody, podcasters, so whatever. These people have to. Crazy people. <laughs> these people, um, I say these people, the, uh, if you're really creative and you want to make it in one of those fields, you have to go where the opportunity presents itself, which is the city. Right. And so if you look at our churches, you think, okay, well, um, the more liberal churches open to experience churches who are open to different ways of thinking about church are in the city. And the, you know, the more, the further you get away from a city, this is why I think just those openness, the, the liberal people who are open to experience move to the city because that's where the opportunity presents itself. Or they stay in the city. Yeah. Or they stay in the city. And so you see, this is why I think it's important to just to frame this is that you see that in the city, there's a, a group of people who, who have to be in the city to do what their personality dictates they should do is like, and those people are so valuable that we don't realize as, you know, you know, and I live in the city, but I'm not one of those people. Those creative people are so valuable to all of our churches 
in the city and out of the city and we don't value them enough and don't talk about like, like we don't talk like this enough. So, and so the, the, the example I would give would be like, if you have a committee, that's job is in your church to come up with ideas on how to uh, better do mission. Yeah. Evangelism. The, best, a, the yeah. best person to do that is a person who's open, who, who is higher in openness, who is a liberal person. But so you're but like, well, if you want to get something done, Right. So, so yeah, I mean, so this is the kind of disparity. You need both, need both right? people. Absolutely. And so like, we don't say that enough. It's like, um, you can't just have a whole group of conservative people. And that doesn't mean like, if you're part of that, a conservative type church, you, you need to find those liberal people in your church, you know, despite of how far along the spectrum of liberal they are. Those are the people who are going to make your ideas like, or come up with ideas. Yeah. And then as conservative people, you have to recognize that and say, okay, now how can I take your idea and then turn it into something? Yeah. Because that's what you're good at. Cause so, you're, you're, you're a conservative, you're, you're a good manager. Yeah. Basically. So the reason that's important is because we were, we're like, we have the commission from Christ to go out into the world and mm -hmm. spread the gospel. Right. And it takes the, the creative people, the artists to, to create a vision to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like, so yes, we absolutely need both conservatives and liberals to move forward to something. The one distinction I want to make in this discussion, though, is that we're talking about conservatives and liberal liberals in the sort of classical sense as opposed to the modern yeah. political oh, yeah. sense. Yeah, 100%. Right? I so, hope we frame that good enough. So yeah. people on the left who call themselves liberals, leftists, generally are not high in openness at all. They... There's a lot of people on the left who, who are very, very set in their ways. There's people on the right who are set in their ways. But we're talking about the classical liberal ideals, the, the like um, interest in ideas, interest in freedom, stuff like yeah, that, yeah. versus the classical conservative ideals, which is interest in tradition mm -hmm. and, and maintenance of Maintaining that. Maintaining society. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's just so important for, um, I guess there's two encouragements. It's like, um, if you're a liberal person, the tendency will be because the opportunity presents itself in a more liberal area, not like just, just geographically. Like if you look at downtown Toronto, there's a ton of opportunity for liberal people to come up. Like this is why Silicon Valley exists. This is just a group of liberal people coming up with amazing ideas that change the world. Um, as a conservative person, you're like, let me go down there and make money. You're yeah. like, let me grab on one of these ideas and then just like bring it to the market. Yeah. Right. But these liberal people gather or, open people gather so that they can create ideas together. And so I would encourage people who are artists to try to stay in, you know, an environment that it might, might ne not necessarily help them thrive in that. And it's a hard thing to say, but I would also encourage people who are conservative who would say, you know, you have to retain those people. And the way to yeah. do that isn't to be like, well, they're all leaving. It's like, why would they go to the city? Like, you know, what's in the city, right? It's to say, hey, how can we make a, a place for them? It doesn't have to be a job, but it can be like a role in your church. That's like, now they can come up with ideas. Now they can create value the way that they, they yeah. know how, right? Yeah. And so if you recognize those opportunities in your church, to be really, just be really intentional about like, you know, like connecting with those people and being like, hey, you fit so well into this and we need to keep you here. And a large part of that is just um, <clears throat> being able to have a discussion mm -hmm. uh, and right. seeing it 
No, not I know. I know we use these terms liberal conservative, and we're, it's not really in the political realm so much as it's just yeah. their stand-ins for for the psychological terms of you know, openness and conscientiousness. Mm-hmm. But if you approach this from a from a perspective of okay, um, fundamentally we share the same beliefs. Mm-hmm. We we share this. We go to the same church. We have the same creed, same confessions. So that's there's a chance right there for this beautiful fusion to happen because in in Christ in the Bible. We have that underlying basis. We have yeah. the fundamentals down pat. Mm-hmm. So then when you get people who just approach, you were to take a problem or an issue, you're going to approach it from two different sides. That's actually a good thing. Yeah, it's it's in that fusion. It's in that, which only happens through open and honest conversation. Yeah, and we can't shut those down, which is what I think our culture is saying in general. Like, stop listening to people. Just do your thing. And, and, and you know, and, yeah. we, have that, everything. we have that tendency it's a natural well. symbol. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So right. conservatives yeah. are likely to to group together because they're not challenged and they enjoy mm-hmm. stability. Yep. Liberals are likely to group together because they're sick of stability and they want to do something new. Yeah, right. Totally. Right. But then without like if a whole bunch of liberals go out and do something and, and you see this in like I've seen this in certain missions. Um, um, very open, very, very um, excited people get out, set up a mission, but they don't they haven't included someone in their team who is, is sort of on the conservative managerial side the of things. The person. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. and the, the, the creators, the starters, they started that mission, but they can't actually follow through to run it. It's just yep. like and a the mission yeah. fails. It's like a mission of ideas. <laughs> right. Is, yeah. Yeah. And, but this is like, there's conventions. Like I think about Silicon Valley all the time, but there's conventions in the States where like in Vegas every year, there's a, my brother went to this. There's a convention there where, Everyone just brings their best optics and their best. Um, it's all well, camera stuff, all that stuff. And so you go there and you just look at ideas. Yeah. But and they, they rank these ideas and actually, well, this is a whole other thing, but he came up with one of the best ideas one year. The best ideas that are at that show don't ever turn into anything. And you're right. like, like how if that if one of those things, you just pick one of them and you're like, this is this could change the world. This could change the way like many different industries run. And they just don't do anything. It's like, it's just a, a, they didn't have the conservative mind there, the managerial side to be like, just grab that idea and be like, this is how we're going to do it. Or perhaps they they didn't, they didn't manage to convince a conservative who wants to stay in his box that this idea is worth managing. Right, but that's what that whole investing in. The whole show is like, the whole show is like, here's all the ideas we have. Come invest in us. But it's like, that's, that's not really a good way to frame things. It should be like, um, hey, you're a conservative person. We need a conservative person because- you know, we're all liberal people. We just coming up with ideas. We don't really know what we're doing here. Yeah. And if people would be able to admit that, there'd be way better ideas like that that actually yeah. come to market. That actually, yeah, that's right. So, Absolutely. And, and it's the same thing in our yeah. churches, right? Your like example, Steve Jobs tells the same the same story about oh, Apple yeah. and stuff. Your example, he's just an ideas guy. Yeah. But he like would surround himself with people who could actually make it happen. And then yeah. he would like dictate his ideas to them and they'd be like, okay. And he would make sure they yeah. share the Sounds vision. Good, Steve, like, we'll get it done. Take yeah. over the world. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so like <laughs> people always ever. make fun of him, even though he's dead. Yeah. Um he was like, yeah, well, look, what did that guy actually do, right? And he, like, if you look at, like, what he did every day, it was like a joke. Like, yeah. he just walked around and, like, thought about stuff, right? But he changed the world. Like, well, I got a Mac right here, but, I mean, whatever. But Apple's, like, a t- you know, it's huge. And yeah. it's, a, like, a, it's, it's a like company a that's, like, company yeah, in the world. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he wouldn't be able to do that without. Well, you know, and, and your example of committees, like, in church life and committees, consistories, whatever. Like, that's. I think that's really where the rubber meets the road on these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that's if you get a good, healthy mix of people who share the same fundamentals, but come at it from different perspectives, 
And if you have that open and honest dialogue, I know I keep hammering this point home, but it's so crucial. So that's how change happens. So good change. Then, then diversity is a strength. Diversity of ideas. But you have to share a, a, a guiding principle. Yeah. Right. If you if you remove that guiding principle and your guiding principle is diversity, then it creates um, division. Yeah, mm-hmm. Diversity within unity, perhaps. Yeah. So it's, well, kind of, it's almost a so, bit of an oxymoron, but it so kind of works. University. That was the original uh, intent behind universities to find unity in diversity. Get out. Actually. Yes. Oh dang. Etymology, <laughs> Mike, over here. I Get out. Well, really? This is that's an idea I got from uh, Rabbi Zachariah. So. Oh, that's cool. Pretty sure. Um, that was so basically universities brought together all the studies. Yeah. To, to basically unify them. Yeah. To find a unifying principle. Unifying principle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like universities were not originally to to prepare people for a, a high paying job. Universities mm-hmm. were to discuss ideas. I it knew was, that. It was research. I, yeah. Ideas that like that weren't very relevant in in actual life, mm-hmm. but that has completely changed. Yeah. And so, well, money helps you. Yeah. Yeah. True. But yeah, I think yeah, you have to have the fundamentals, which is like you know, obviously, if you're listening to this. We're Christians, and if you, you made you it this far, you hopefully you agree with us <laughs> exactly. But then you need real talk, right? Yeah. After that, it's like now you actually have to sit down and actually want to learn what that other person knows, and then you know want to help them or allow them to help you. And I think that that could change. Totally so, change. So um, does that make sense? I was going to throw it to Tim. Tim, are we in the weeds? I do. Can you have a sense to throw into this that I've been wanting to say for like five minutes, but. <laughs> Um, so from what I can gather from a lot of you guys, there's a problem with people playing the victim to their differences, right? Even within our churches, people are playing the the victim and saying, I've got this opinion, you've got yours and you're attacking me for this and this reason, right? But if you ever read the book, Respectable Sins by Jerry Bridges, really, really good. Any listeners, I advise you read it. It's amazing. But there's a lot of our differences that we have within our churches. If you want to say a liberal church and conservative church, again, very careful with how we say that. We're very careful with everything we say. Yeah. <laughs> we just but, say it and we say we're careful. But with that, we have to make sure that we're discussing if there's an issue, if it's a doctrinal issue or if it's, it's a personal preference. Yep. Right. Yeah. A lot of time Absolutely. I find within our society, we are, we're selfish by human nature. We're very selfish. And when someone has a different opinion, you take it as a personal attack and you play the victim. Right. And there is no room for that. And yeah. that is a huge divide in our churches right now, especially is that we, we find these differences and yeah, it makes us uncomfortable, but why? Right. Right. Are we, are we stuck in our conservative way? Are we stuck in our um, liberal way? Yeah, I think it overlaps a little, right? Like, right. So the especially you see that in in mission because we're the church, I believe is is called to be missional, right? We're called to go out, and so that is like a biblical truth. So now you argue about how that has to happen. Well, so a, a liberal person has ideas about how that has to happen, and a conservative person says, "Well, you know, we're probably good enough. Um, let's just keep doing what we're doing. People will come, right?" So now, yeah, what you're saying is like, now, if you want to do that, then I say no. And, you know, you say yes. And back and forth we go. Yeah. And then we take this personally. Right. So you're like, you're arguing around a truth with um, the the room for personal difference, and then which is where it really gets tough. Exactly. And there's, yeah. and then you come back and someone can come away with that saying like, oh, they don't want to do missional work because of this and this and this. Right. Like, no, 
that's not it. They just don't want to do it the same way you want to do it. Right. But they're also right? sinful too. So maybe, exactly. they, maybe they do just want to shut you down. Maybe. So that's the thing. It's like, you have to be gracious. And it's the same thing with soul singers. Like, I want to sing this. You want to sing that. I mean, we agree it has to be biblical. So it's like, here's your truth. And now there's room for opinion. But yeah. Everyone needs to take a slice of humble pie. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, big time. So, but um, getting into that, it's like in that con- context, we're seeing a little bit of the ideologies in the world also inside the church. So what happens is um, ideas become more important than your your base of identity. Base of identity is we're made in the image of God. But then all of a sudden we're allowing ideas to define someone and we're allowing ideas to become an identity. And then when when someone disagrees with you, then their identity in your perspective is that they disagree with you. So again, it's an identity issue, right? Right. You put people in boxes, right? You put people in boxes. Mm-hmm. We all have that tendency. So it's not just in culture. It's in the church too. And we've got to be very careful with that. We've got to be very careful to always maintain um, the proper base of identity mm-hmm. rather than elevating someone's ideas above that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, part, of, part of just maintaining that is just a basic level of respect. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And, mm-hmm. and the only, the only um, basis for respect for someone is that they're made in the image of God. Right. There's no other absolute basis. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Correct. Well, we're at the two. Yeah, we're at the two-hour mark here. I think we're almost. Anyways, sending um, it. Hey, we're going. So, what, we're two hours to go. No, we're, we're getting very close to uh, like talking about arguments and and division between people over ideas. We're getting very close to a discussion on freedom of speech. So, let's just roll right into that because <laughs> I, I think we've. That's exactly what I wanted to cover with liberal and conservative. Um, ideas and personalities and every time I have mentioned this to somebody this came probably almost straight out of uh, Jordan Peterson with a you know my lens of Christianity on it um, and applying to the church and every time I've mentioned that everyone just says wow yeah that's like that's yeah. like that's what it is and, wow yeah. so profound wow I say wow too much on this podcast oh, yeah. <laughs> Mike let's, Long time let's listeners jump into of, you know the past six months freedom of speech definitely freedom of speech oh. yeah you smell that <laughs> you smell, smell that in the air huh? yeah it's Mike he wants to talk about freedom of speech let's go <laughs> <laughs> I don't I just said we're getting close to it and that's like we can talk a long time on this this guy's yeah. drinking out of his jumbo jug over here yeah <laughs> how many liters is that thing one gallon oh yeah Tim and his gallon jug. All right. What do you want to say about freedom of speech? This whole thing is about freedom I've of speech. I've seen that jug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Are you behind? You keeping yes. up? Um, Get drinking, oh, Tim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like your, your daily dose of water? Yeah, it's supposed to be. Yeah. So by like, what is it, seven? Just nine at the bottom. A little bit more. Well done. Wow, dude. It's a, it's a good idea. I'll say I, that. I have not stayed on top of it. <laughs> who's, who's got who's got room to carry around a jug like that? Guys like Tim. It's like yeah, only that reminds me of the only Samaritan a select woman amount of men. drawing water out of the well. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Anyways, all right. So you right. say freedom of speech. Are you concerned about freedom of speech? What in our country as a whole, in the West as a whole, Compelled more speech. locally in the church level? Well, we were just talking about how. It's very easy to get into disagreements with someone, perhaps just based off of personality. Yep. And then it's really easy to make that step being like, I don't like what you say. I want to shut you down. Yep. So um, a lot of people might not really know this, but in Canada, we don't have freedom of speech. 
we have it in our charter of rights and freedoms, but yep. it does not exist for Canadians right now. Mm -hmm. For example, you are not allowed to speak out um, in public against trans people. In fact, we have, it goes one step further, we have compelled speech. So you have to use someone's uh, gender pronouns as they identify. And that's on Twitter now or on uh, Instagram, you know, putting their pronouns. Cable yeah. Harris did it. Right. Oh, in the bio. Yeah. Yeah. So vice president is like, I'm a she or her. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. So breaking news. By, by Canadian law, like we have to use those pronouns. So it's not just that we don't have freedom of speech. We, we are actually compelled to speak a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, um, we're seeing it more and more. There was another instance that reminded me of this. I can't remember now, but it, it's something current that, that reinforces that our freedom of speech, well, we don't have it anymore. And the government is, is restricting, continuously restricting our freedom of speech. It was around, it was actually around censorship on social media. Well, anything oh. COVID related, right? Anything COVID related, yeah. that's well, right. You like YouTube, like every, all social media. Right, but right. so there's right like now. Government and then, yeah, private. But right. Go ahead, sorry, I'm interrupting. Right now there's a discussion Single. in, in politics about what to do with social media right. mm -hmm. and um, there's two disagreements on on the right the right is um, basically trying to push social media to stop censoring people while the left is trying to increase censorship and right now excuse me the Trudeau liberals are seeking to push social media outlets uh, platforms to increase censorship. Um, so again, mm -hmm. they're trying to use government power through social media to decrease our freedom of speech. Um, and it, it is a, it is an issue. We've just discussed how, like how, how liberals and conservatives need each other and we need to discuss, and that's being slowly systematically taken away. Yeah, it's, the, it's the only way to find anything out right. for freedom of speech. Absolutely. You gotta, you gotta put the bad out with the good and, yeah. and let the good ideas win fundamentally. Yeah. Okay. So terrible question. Is there room for hate speech law? Well, it depends <laughs> on what you define hate speech as. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I'm just thinking, for instance, you, you mentioned social media, but so social media, there has been clear evidence that on social media, people have been recruited for ISIS. They've been, right. um, they've been taught things. Or for Antifa or, or anything too. Right. In, who's that? The guy who, like the guy who rented stuff, a van too. and rants people over in downtown Toronto. Right. Yeah. Was part of a group that hated women. It was like, you know, women don't like us. Incels. It's probably women's yeah. problem, which is like, you know, yeah. obviously. I never get laid. It's women's all, fault. Yeah. All women's. Yeah. If yeah. all women reject you, it's not the women. That's, <laughs> that's what Peterson always says. <laughs> so, but so there's, there's obviously clear evidence on social media, which is a dangerous thing to begin with that there's, you know, there's evidence for radicalization of, of people. Uh, causing harm right so how does a government react to that um in a way that's still upholding freedom of speech right so um i mean just solve it for us like come on <laughs> yeah no problem, no problem. <laughs> uh, just listen to my podcast yeah. <laughs> professor <Hutton. laughs> um, that's one christian thinks <laughs> um so i would argue that um, there, like, there are restrictions to speech. Actually, um, I would say there's restrictions to speech 
that are set up to keep it free. Um, I just did a podcast on how on on to have freedom, you have to have guidelines. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. So that's a, a bit of a different topic, but um, freedom isn't being able to do whatever you want. So it's the same thing with speech. Free speech isn't the ability to do whatever you want. So for example, speech that <clears throat> the, the classic restriction or the classic guideline to free speech, it's a better way of putting it, is that you're not allowed um, speaking in such a way that causes, um, or you're not allowed like a call to action for violence. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you post on social media, Hey, let's go, uh, firebomb this guy's house. Yep. That's illegal. You'll within, be arrested. You'll be arrested. Yeah. Um, even, even within free speech legislation, you'll be arrested. Yeah. Right. Um, now where the water, the, the justification for, um, Trudeau banning or Trudeau trying to force people to use gender pronouns. Justification for that is he he's claiming that language is violence. It's harm. So if you if you call someone by the wrong by by their by the wrong pronoun pronouns, then you are being violent towards them. So that's his justification. That whole violence thing is a is a very problematic term, dude. Oh, it absolutely is. Right, because you almost said speech that causes harm. Which is like, right? Yeah, now define harm. Right, right. So it's like, okay, well, you know, you define it well because it's like a call to action to go beat, you know, go beat someone up. Physical or violence, go, right? Physical, physical violence. violence, right? Whereas now they're like saying, well, you know, violence could be you attacking my psyche by not calling me right. by my pronoun. But and that really hurts me, you know. And, and you know, whether or not that's true, is saying something to someone constituting violence. So it's not the same as shooting them. No, it's not at all. But if you phrase it like they're both violence, now you can now you can do anything. You can right. compel, you can compel speech. You can shut down freedom of speech. Right, and, and that that's obviously impacts Christians like in a in a big way. Absolutely, there is like there is a small amount of truth to it because we all know that that words can cause harm. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. there's a small amount of truth to it. But if all of a sudden you are you are cutting away speech that might be deemed offensive. Well, then you've just seriously restricted your ability to discover the truth because because in order to think you have to risk being offensive. Right. Where and, did that and, come from? And for for all us Christians, well, the gospel's pretty offensive to people who don't want to hear it. Oh right? yeah. And and if you confess the gospel is the truth, yeah. um, then by by condemning offensive speech then you've stopped people from finding the gospel. Well, so it's funny you say that. So on the way here, I was listening to uh, Relatable from Malibu Stucky. Yeah. She was talking about gender yeah. and this whole, uh, the obvious push of, you know, transgenderism. And like recently there was a celebrity, we were talking about this just before we went on air, uh, Ellen Page, who's now Elliot Page and is identifying as a male. Right. And, um, and uh, Stucky was making the point that basically as Christians, if you don't feel that you're able to stand up for what is one of the most fundamental biological realities that we know to be true and say, look, look, like a woman is not a man or a man is mm-hmm. not a woman. Like this it just is what it is. This is how God created it. Mm-hmm. How much more could you stand up for the gospel? Right. If hate speech stuff comes in on that too. Yeah. Cause you're not allowed to say that like yeah. about people who are trans. You can't say, look, like that, <laughs> like I support you, like in terms of like, like I respect you as a person and I don't want any harm to come to you. And, you know, if, right. you, if you would like to get some counseling, you'd like to talk about this, if you have a relationship with that person, like 
there's all sorts of steps to take and there's there's no violence in that at all right but you can't you can't affirm that they changed sexes yeah or even, See, or yeah. even genders which is yeah. they they split those two off but that's oh, also yeah. part of the whole thing yeah but it comes down to what you just said is like you have to va- if you value them as a person which is to say um you value the fact that they were they are human and they were created in the image of god yeah now so you value that so they're saying by you not using their pronoun you're no longer valuing them as a human which obviously is wrong and mm-hmm. in, in christian so you yeah you say i support you um i believe you have the same rights as everybody obviously and also um i would love to help you and you could easily you could show love to them as a christian yeah and doesn't, you have all doesn't co- mean you agree with them and doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to criticize them so it's the but you have a fundamental basis to turn to like, like mike was saying yeah. before it's like this god's design for you is as whatever he created you as mm-hmm. yeah that's what it is yeah. and you know there's a lot of things you can do to to help whatever to work through that to help accept that and yeah there's all sorts of therapies and, and counseling uh techniques but yeah the fundamentally that is the truth so how much more for the gospel though like if you have the whole hate speech thing to get back to the free speech topic yeah like that's that's just so fundamental yeah yeah so how far down down the road are we that's the i'm always curious like what do you mean like in what context well it seems like this is all tied into everything that we talk about right was like oh, yeah if you now are believe intersectionality is real um if you think that's like the way to view the world now you can put everyone in groups now you can't offend another group you can't be offensive like that is violence now you have no freedom of speech um so I guess it, I guess everything has. Tim's got a question. Where do we? I've got something. Well, we, we started with uh, Marxism, right? Mm-hmm. So was that? That's yes. where everyone wants the same. But now we're fighting over people want to be called different. And if you don't tell them that they're, or you don't say their pronouns right, or accept their gender or anything like that, then you are not being inclusive. Right. Although you're figuring out their difference you know what i mean <laughs> so, yeah, I so if, me that so well i wonder if yeah. the, the bottom of marxism is is one of the tenets actually that everyone wants to be the same so that's that's a hard thing to piece through too well yeah it's interesting because they're trying to bring everyone to the same level but right now they're magnifying diversity ultimately they're magnifying diversity because they're trying to establish the oppressed and the oppressor yeah, it's right? highlight, well they're it's trying to bring teacher. it back right yeah. so they are trying to bring it it's like uh, this was historically wrong. Let's bring this back by now the anti-racism, which is a whole other problematic term we talk about. Um, <laughs> but anti-racism is like now a black person can be racist toward a white person because racism that's just is disparity that they deserve. In order, and so power. to bring it back. Oh, that's yeah, and so you hear things. But you power. hear things that are, that say like, um, well, my ancestors have done things, and why why don't I deserve to be um, treated differently because of that? Or like, why don't why don't I deserve to suffer because my ancestors oppressed black people? Like, they kind of do have the ability, you know, the reason to oppress us. It's like, I mean, that's a really dangerous thing to say, but you hear that all the time. You do, yeah. Absolutely. And so this anti-racist thing is like it's bringing it back level. But I don't know if Marxism, in its fundamental um, premises, would say everyone's to be. It's a utopia, right? So they're pushing for utopia. Yeah, uh, like a utopia. Um, on this earth as opposed to a heaven like they're that's their, like everyone's the same but they're they all want to be the same too right that's well, kind of half of what it is too i don't think marxism would say that everybody is the same i mean the classic like the the, the clear distinction is between rich and poor right and but, well, but they're trying to bring that back no i think they're just going for outcome quality of outcome that's equality of 
people. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. part of the part of the challenge is how do you define um, what's equal? Is it do you define it on on income level? Do you define well, it? Well, that on, was it. So like Marxism, like Karl Marx would say, in. economic, yeah. right? <laughs> like for real. Yeah. yeah. Well, Karl Marxist would say, Karl Marx would say, like economic, because he was economic, yeah. right? But like now, like critical theory, I think, is like taking that to every other aspect of the of the life, which is like now your sexuality, your your race, and everything. So it's like extrapolating so extrapolating funny. that out. you'll hear folks like like jordan peterson say this a lot they'll talk about postmodern neo-marxism oh so neo-marxism neo-marxism would be this this cultural marxism essentially yeah yeah it's marxism morphing into the culture yeah and in all these split identity groups postmodernism is just the age after modernism yeah which modernism was you know like man like reason and rationality it was like peak scientific method overtakes religion that's all old news. Yeah, right, yeah, absolute yeah. truth. Man's gonna, but there was an idea of absolute truth, which came yeah. through logic and reason. So, so science was like logic, reason, truth. and rationality. The, yeah. Now there is no truth in the mm-hmm. postmodern age. Well, but that doesn't really jive with Marxism or neo-Marxism because well, neo-Marxism so, so, is a worldview. Right. And so it has its own like, set of critical tenets. theory. Would not say, which I was surprised at. Are we in I think it is. <laughs> We're all in the weeds here. Weed Wagger Tim just sitting off the side. Yeah. Like, That's good. You know, it's trying to make sense of all of it. It's following you. Yeah. So critical theory, I, I found it was actually surprising. So critical theory, critical theorists would not say that there's no absolute truth. They would say you as a white person or you as an oppressor do not have access to the real truth because of your, your blindness to your privilege yeah per, yeah I, I think you're right there and so um, they would that's why we're not allowed to talk right so but they wouldn't be they wouldn't be classical i guess classical postmodernists are that's just an oxymoron <laughs> but they wouldn't classically believe a postmodernist like there is no absolute truth they would say there is an absolute truth you just don't know what it is well you're exactly right so um i can't remember if i made this point in one of my episodes is that the people protesting for Black Lives Matter are not postmodern because they believe in an absolute truth. For sure. Absolutely. Or else sure. they wouldn't be out there protesting. Yeah. Right. So we're seeing it's interesting because postmodernism was held up for a long time. Um, well, not a long time in the grand scheme of things, but it's been fairly prevalent in, in kind of the 21st century. But we're seeing it fall apart. We're seeing mm-hmm. people realize that there is a truth. Mm-hmm. And that, well, there has to be a truth. Um, well, that's the that's the basis of western society so which is judeo-christian is, values, is neo-marxism filling the vacuum left by the church by christianity um, i think that's the intention is like if you're going to dispense with what the underpinnings of our society which is judeo-christian values you have to replace it with something what so, do you replace it with so you need another truth to put in there otherwise I think that's what you're getting at. It's well, like, and it it's is like a, you can't just you can't just replace that with nothingness, which is like a, and it's a comprehensive it's a comprehensive worldview. So it fits. It fits in that slot of where Christianity well, previously was. Sure. Um, Depends on how you view comprehensive worldview. <laughs> oh, there's I've, no good ending. I've been listening to I've already told you I've been listening to uh Hi, Joe? No Vander Clay. Oh, no, Paul Vander Clay. Paul Vander Clay. And he always calls secularism the the evil twin sister of Christianity. Because Christianity goes in somewhere and um, doesn't manage to fill that society with its ideals. And then secularism comes in and wins. Oh, really? So it's interesting how he refers to that. There's like a a dynamic between Christianity and secularism for 
societal kind of um, to to gain kind of a critical mass of of adherence in a society. Okay, right. Um, but if you if you take it to that that um, step that you took is is Marxism is neo Marxism kind of filling a void in uh, where Christianity was. Um, I would say yes through secularism. Interesting. Because neo-Marxism is, is an absolutely secular movement. Well, secular is too broad to define it that way because you well, have secular liberalism. Well, so it is, is which, yeah, is, sure. which is a different movement. Sure. So an example, so I'm just thinking, um, I'm always thinking about evolution because um, this kind of ties back in, in everywhere. It does. Um, you know, if you believe that, so, so I'm just trying to break apart what you said there because I have not heard this before. Um, I know it's just, it's a, it's an idea that I, I just became acquainted with. Which so. It kind of makes sense. So if like, if, if say the modern, like pre postmodern, so we go back a little while and it was very focused on the modern mind was very focused on science. Yeah. So you're saying like Christianity was good for everybody, but left a void that everyone kind of felt, you know, well, void in scare quotes, huge a void that couldn't explain how we came to be. Um, or didn't, you know, satisfy everyone's um, need to know exactly what happened um, with, uh, you know, how we came, how we came to be in this world. Yeah. And then you, you know, enter modernism or enter secularism. Secularism. And then, you know, they come up with evolution to solve that problem, problem of Christianity. Right, right, right. I know what you're saying. Yeah. To a certain extent. Is that, is that what um, I like, I haven't haven't listened to a lot of what he says, but he's referred to secularism as kind of the evil twin sister of, of Christianity. Because it kind of makes sense that it's like, it kind of makes sense, right? Because you have, Christi- to, yeah. you have Christianity and Christianity kind of like taking sort of a, a Western perspective, Christianity was kind of ended up being pushed out by the enlightenment, by the mm-hmm. rise of science, by everything else. Yep. Um, so in a way, Christianity was, was kind of pushed out by secularism. Christianity failed to to sort of maintain a, a critical mass of adherence in society. Um, they failed to kind of maintain the the majority of society, and then secularism stepped in and filled that void. Right, but now, so as Christians, we know that's never going to happen. But that, well, that secularism wins. Yeah, yeah. But is it like is that the the idea that it's like so Christianity has its time in the sun then? Um, secularism comes in and tries to solve all the problems that Christianity was solving in the culture. Like, so I'm just thinking like Christianity, like the, the, it's very evident in Western culture, obviously, but Christianity is solving, you know, um, what is right and wrong in terms of like murder. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, sure. murder is wrong. You know, you can't just go kill somebody. Uh, you get put in jail for that. Now well, uh, does like, secularism, not that sim- I don't know if it's that simple. No, no, but like that's Atheists the tenet- definitely just disagree with that. But <laughs> Right, but no, like a lot of people who aren't Christian be like, yeah, obviously it's wrong to murder. Right, no, but uh, this is exactly my point. Like secularism, now they've justified murder. So it's like now atheists also can believe that. So this is like, this is totally a Sam Harris thing, right? It's like, can you have uh, value without the Bible or without um, a higher power, right? Right. So if they can replace all of the tenets of Christianity that make our society functional, you know, i.e. like, murder you know like every all all laws right if if you can get there in a secular way like you know you can exist on this earth because evolution explained it if you if you can create a society where science or 
or your rational mind can explain everything and therefore create your value, then you're, then you're gold. You can just dispense with Christianity and, and then your secularism wins. Okay. But this comes back to what Mike was talking about before. So this is, I'm just going to test out this theory on you guys. See what you think, but (laughs) I like it. This. Okay. So, so you have, uh, modernism and rational age enlightenment, right? This is whatever, Mm -hmm. 1800s or so, 17, 1800s. Then eventually that's, that gets taken over. So that takes over from Christianity previously, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the movement, movement almost into the 19th century. Then you get the rise, you know, the rise of Marx in the 1800s into the 19th and the rise of communism and all this stuff. It kind of, it fails in the East, basically. Communism fails. Yeah. But um, the secular liberal, and it seems like the West wins. Secular liberalism in the West wins because we've kind of lost the Christian train of thought there. So capitalism keeps running, keeps chugging. We have, you know, great economy in the 90s into the 2000s. You know, that's the whole era of like the Clinton and the, the, the what was it the third way kind of just like like opening up China and all this yeah. stuff too, right? Um, so the world is expanding, globalism's on the rise, capitalism is, is just kicking butt, it's doing well. Yeah, but we've we've come unmoored from our Christian uh, moorings. Yeah, right. So you have this greed that you talked about before. Yeah, with the Wolf of Wall Street. So I think what what current modern day Marxism, neo Marxism, is a corrective to is the runaway excesses of capitalism run amok from its moral Christian roots. And so I think it's a, it's a third way because, because secular liberalism uh, has failed. It's failed Um, to provide, to provide meaning for people, not economically, but also somewhat economically because it does inequalities on the rise and disenfranchisement, disenfranchisement. Um, There's a lot there. Uh, um, The first thing I thought was like, I think you attributed the loss of Christianity and Western culture too early. I think that oh, in general, were, were quote unquote defeated pretty early. It just takes a while for it to out in society. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of, a lot of points in the last couple of minutes, like Sam Harris and then talking about um, where Christianity feels. So ultimately secularism tried to give meaning and morality. Um, and it couldn't, it couldn't do it. And, and Sam Obviously. Harris argues for that, and it couldn't do it, which is why we have the meaning crisis and the rise of Jordan Peterson and and uh, sort of the intellectual dark web. Um, but now, nice, good term, love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, like you're starting to go into well, ultimately, you're right. So this is where Marx, this is where Marx um, sort of had his basis. He saw the the downfall of. Um, kind of capitalism we're kind of in the same time period right now in right, terms excellent. of like the yeah. early industrial revolutions like we're, we're in the early technological revolution yeah and and rather than going back to christianity marx went the opposite way yeah and that's why marxism always fails so and so if the church can't speak to to the i would say the economic problems which which are yeah, it's, it's all so complicated and intertwined but it is you do have to have some some sort of something to say in that arena as right. christians we do yeah because that's why you see the rise of, of socialism yeah among young Absolutely. people today yeah. because yeah. they see like yeah like if you're a young person it's hard to buy a house <laughs> it sucks yeah, great. like you need a lot of money yeah and like right, if you, especially in the states <laughs> you gotta go yeah s- spoken like someone who owns two houses anyways <laughs> but like especially if you're in the states too like school costs a ton of money like yeah. it's it's not a good system yeah. the way it's so, set up school's not a good system but yeah school's right. not a good system like right i'm not now. saying the whole system is, is shot but i'm saying like there are a lot of disadvantages that i think have piled up as a result of secular secular liberalism just run amok 
and, and capitalism without this kind of uh, moral basis to yeah. kind of look after the the downtrodden in society. And, and rather than turn back to God, uh, because nobody wants to acknowledge God. No. Um, if you if you acknowledge God, then you have to acknowledge that. Well, there's a, if there's an almighty power, then you better you better be aware of that, and you better pay attention. We're going to tear it down and create a utopia. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what we're so going to do. They're they're moving the opposite direction. They're deliberately moving yeah. the opposite direction away from Christianity. Yeah. Um, but so, kind of working with what you did there with with sort of secular secular liberalism, I've thought a lot about um, kind of the basis for the West um, and and where it went astray. Kind of like what you did th there. Um, hmm. so kind of how I conceptualize it now, hear me out and you guys can disagree with me if you want, but my thoughts were that the West started with liberalism. So basically pursuit of freedom, pursuit of, of people being able to kind of form their own ideal guided by Christianity. So you have this pursuit of freedom guided by Christianity. That was mm -hmm. the basis for things like the, the U S constitution. Yeah, the American um, dream is by no means Christian. Right. right. But but um, the guiding principles at, at well, the base. I would take issue with that. But at the continue. start, had I think in essence, so. had Christian had a Christian guiding principle, and then what happened was people turned away from Christianity, and rather than liberalism being guided by Christianity, liberalism became guide or uh, the liberalism guide yeah. was guided by humanism instead. Yeah. And, and like, I think it's, it, it works very well with your analysis, um, secularism, humanism, like they're almost interchangeable in some ways. Well, be, because it, it made that switch, which to your point about the American dream, the American dream, I think does fit with, uh, the Christian understanding, um, depends on how you, uh, how you, so, so I'm going to talk about freedom, define because, American dream, because you, you need, yeah. I think the American, the, dream, American dream? the American dream is to live free. And free is to and uh, to live in freedom, and freedom is defined as freedom, how you ought to act. Freedom to act. Has, sorry, I should say that better. Freedom to act as you ought, and the ought comes from the Bible, right? Which is framed by your last podcast episode, episode nine, people. Yeah, that's right. You know, freedom <laughs> is framed by how God made the earth um, with with the Ten Commandments. And already the, the problem is, into it. if you don't have a moral populace, especially like the majority, which is kind of key for keeping things on track. Then you get the runaway of secular liberalism, right. and, and then right. and someone the like Sam Harris comes in and writes um, writes a book on how secularism can identify or can create a morality and can create meaning. And if you read his book, it's terrible. It, it <laughs> contradicts itself multiple times. He is um, very smart, though. He's he is quite smart, and and so he, sorry, intelligent, not wise in any way. <laughs> um, so, like, I read the book and it wasn't hard to tear apart. And um, so if anyone, if anyone wants to look into it, there, William Lane Craig, all you have to do is search up uh, William Lane Craig's analysis yep. of Sam Harris's book. He's it's phenomenal. Um, tears it right apart. Um, but reading Sam Harris's book, it's, it's almost self-evident that the book tears itself apart. Um, so, and that's, that's where kind of the meaning crisis comes from that secular liberalism or secularism in general just does not give meaning. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why our system is falling apart. Yep. And so, now, yeah, 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 no, that's, that's really good. So it kind of seems like it's, um, right now, like young people, if I'm just thinking of someone who's like, like an unchurched young person today, yeah. who's like looking at, you know, their options growing up, like, it's not all bad. I'm not saying yeah. it's like terrible, but like, it's probably economically more challenging than it was for your parents. 
Perhaps, yeah. Okay. I, I think that's probably fair to say. I mean, you can make the case about it being softer and all that kind of I, stuff. I too. think we also have different standards of living, different standards yeah, of what that's we true. want. But that's well, it's really hard to say because you're also a different starting point. Your parents are loaded compared to what they were before, right? Yeah, maybe. Uh, like compared to like my my parents' parents. Yeah, I would think, right? Especially immigrants. So one of the one of the challenges is that we see where our parents are, and generally we come from a from fairly well-to-do families, um, or at least established families. Yeah, solidly middle that, class. Yeah, typically. that have disposable income. So yeah. we see that, and then starting out, we we want that as well. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, I know my parents like scraped and scraped to get by in the beginning, right? Oh yeah. And and we're yeah. not really used. And to now that. you'd be like happy to rent portion of their home, <laughs> right? Like, that's all I get. We're like in a podcast studio in my dad's house that is bigger than some people's like apartments. So nah, this place is like, a bloody mansion. It's huge. <laughs> right. But I think, yeah, I mean, obviously there's just like a striving for that. Well, and he works hard for it. I, I don't hold that against so. all. I used to actually fun little story for the listeners. I used to live here when I was one. Yeah. This my, was just my parents, actually. my parents rented this Did area. It? We've told that story. I don't think we have. No. Yeah. Before <laughs> I take issue with you taking issue about my American dream. Um, <laughs> yeah. This was this was like Lucas's living room. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather so was, yeah, was like a little kid. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, then my dad became Mister, and then yeah, he rented. Yeah, when, he was in, when his dad was in seminary, he rented. Yeah, okay. Uh, there was an apartment here, like part of the garage. So yeah, pretty cool. Anyways, well, I I meant by American Dream. Yeah. You say uh, American Dreams like freedom. I would say it's the pursuit of happiness, which is like not a really Christian idea. It's like the, your pursuit of happiness is like your happiness is freedom to um, pursue happiness. Your joy is in Christ. It's not in your pursuit of uh, earthly things. I would so, say the American dream is this. Oh, I see like a dagger in his eye, man. He's like, <laughs> yeah. listen here. So you say the pursuit of happiness is not a Christian thing. What? I would say that people do not pursue happiness to the extent that it becomes Christian. Because I would say full happiness is only achieved. And, and as a Christian. Say it again. this is a John Piper thing. So he like he talks a lot about Christian hedonism. And if you like if you take those two words at face value, it seems to be a, like a conflict, a conflict. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because you have Christianity and then you have hedonism, which is the pursuit of pleasure. Yeah. Right. But then he taught he says the the reason people are not Christian is because they're not hedonistic enough because Christianity gives you that joy. Christianity gives you the fulfillment of joy and, and, mm. and happiness and pleasure um, such that you don't need to seek it in the world anymore. Right. right. But I yeah. think that, but yeah, no, I would totally <laughs> agree. But the thing is that American dream isn't framed. No, it's uh, not framed in that context. Right. Exactly. So it's the, not understood like that today. That's what you're saying. I think. I, no, I think it's not never been framed like that. I think well, the founders understood that. I, no, I don't think so. I, I think would, it's framed in this world. And so like Perhaps. you have a pursuit of, you know, you have a right to pursue happiness and joy in but, your life. But, and that was like, it's, it's not about like what, what America was founded. And I would think Western society in general is not about like, um, you pursuing, um, the most godly way you can and success. It's like you go pursue what you want to pursue and you should have the right to do that and the ability to do that, um, equal to everyone else. Right. And I like, I, I think, that's, like think a, that's, that's pretty humanist. It's pretty like, but, but given that freedom, I, I do actually think that freedom is important because oh, I think it's important um, because of those freedoms. Uh, I don't know that you could be, um, you could have a Christian culture without that idea, but that idea itself alone brings you to a whole different place. 
It no. totally depends on how you define happiness. What, yeah. where you find happiness. Well, yeah, no, exactly. But you know, it's the best system. But our inclination as sinful humans is not to be, you know, finding happiness in in Christ. Right. Right. So if you're saying like, I'm going to build my culture on, you know, the pursuit of happiness, that doesn't mean to me, you know, you're you now biblical. Yeah, but you need like. But I would say you can't you need, have a Christian need, society really without that. Well, you need the freedom, like the people, you can't have a theocracy, like the people have to have the freedom to uh, to live as they please. And hopefully you have a majority of the population that is Christian that will keep the society stable and choose to live uh, in pursuit right. of happiness as, as God defines yeah, happiness. Yeah, you're just saying like, here's your here's your principle of the American dream. Now, hopefully they're good. And that's well, what happened. Hopefully in, they that, do. That's so, what happened in the early days. That is well, actually. I, I never said it was bad. I just said that. That the actual statement of the American dream is it's not anti-American podcast. It's not what makes it Christian, right? It's because they were founded on also on the Christian principles that the way they phrased that it wasn't like uh, everyone should be Christian. Well, it, it's in the it's in the foundation. Like they they say, oh, one would, nation I, under God. Oh, I would one hundred percent agree. Right, but I would say that's not um, that's being dispensed with, and the American dream is not. Yeah, correct. No, it's more. I know. Right. So, but then um, that's my whole point. It's like it, it doesn't work without a moral populace. Right. And that yeah, is. Yeah, but you're not going to get a moral populace. That was. You well, had a moral populace. That was well recognized. <laughs> yes, they had slavery and they had okay. to fix that. Maybe that twice. was well recognized at the founding of the states. Yes. That the U.S. Constitution would not work for a, a populace that did not have a moral standard. And yes. that's why it's a republic and not a democracy. Oh. Yeah. I think Somewhat. that's part of it. Somewhat. Absolutely. Huh. Yeah. No, I would agree. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, we can, let's put that to rest. We all agree. <laughs> so so just, just a point there, like the, the sort of Western ideal does not work in an immoral public, which is also why we are moving away from the Western ideal of freedom. Because hmm. society has become immoral. They don't have a, an absolute standard of morality. So freedom and is... And then freedom, fr freedom um, has to be... in charge? Freedom, exactly. Freedom has to be restricted because otherwise you'd have anarchy. Well, so the interesting thing, I thought about this when we were talking about Christianity and, and secularism kind of jockeying in this, in, in different cultures and stuff. The one thing, like this is super encouraging, is the one thing that is consistent is Christianity. And we, it's right in the Bible. It's like, this is never going to be yeah. gone. And, you know, as much as, go ahead, there you go. Um, as much as people don't want, like our human nature is to, to not want Christianity in our society and obviously every society is kind of like done away with it and then but it always comes back somewhere so yeah. and i think western western culture has been like i don't know maybe like maybe i can make the argument that it's been the most uh deliberate attempt to create a society based on christianity but i mean other than maybe that's israel fair. that's fair <laughs> you know maybe like like old testament israel was like I mean, well, there was a, not Christianity. Was I guess. It Constantine, Constantine, rather. There was a uh, Roman emperor who was Christian and who tried to spread. Well, the Christianity there, was, there were there were emperors Rome. or there were uh, kings and, and queens yeah, who like right. who dictated you had but to the be underlying Christian, fundamentals. Right? Yeah, right. It's, I would say as a culture. in Western society, right? Yes. Yeah, so correct. Now that's like that is a very that is a very um, it's a general statement. Anyway, it's a general right? statement, but it's also it's somewhat controversial and it can be debated, but. That's so. So that's fine. But there's so yeah. You know, maybe it's amongst the best. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, if this gets torn down, there there will be Christianity somewhere. Right. Absolutely. You know, even yeah. if it's not within a state. Yeah. Um, you know, 
which I find is just interesting. You like, you see these examples of, it doesn't matter if it's Western or Eastern culture, you know, they're the ideas of Christianity are done away with in different ways, but then it, it comes back. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Even this, like, Live Not By Lies book I was reading from Rod Greer. It's all about like, uh, he sees the rise of, of totalitarian, totalitarianism and communism in the West. And he, yeah. he interviews all these people who grew up in communist uh, Europe and communist yeah. Russia and talks about their uh, stories and how they, resisted giving yeah. in to yeah. all the communists and it in large part it was a lot of christians who resisted and you know you create these smaller tight-knit communities family is very important mm-hmm. like the nuclear family plays a huge role um and also just knowing your scripture knowing your bible like that's how a lot of these guys got through torture yeah like yeah just, absolutely just, just terrible terrible situations yeah. but you just think of all the oppression all the millions of lives taken in the name of, of these dogmas of, of communism and the church still survived Mm. Yeah, the absolutely. church still exists in Russia yeah. and in Eastern Europe, and yeah. the church is like is growing exponentially. I'm sure it's in China. Yeah, oh, in China, exactly. Right. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's almost the more the more you want to quash it, the more maybe maybe we want to end this thing on on a kind of hopeful note. I know we've been going. Well, for we a got what do we got? Decent amount of time. 20, 20 minutes, twenty five minutes left. How long do you want to go? I don't know. That was, that's the three hour mark. I'm just so I'm like. As long as we're useful, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> like if we are, if we're trying to wrap this up, like I, I do have a couple of points that I did sort of want to leave to the end. Okay. Um, just this, this doesn't have to be the ending point. Certainly not. We can discuss Well, we're this. really, we're really hoping to have you on. Um, I know we chatted about it a little bit, but like if we can do this, like every couple of months, we'll do this like a bonus episode awesome. every few months or something. Because it, like it kind of, it gives me a different perspective too. Because uh, otherwise, like you said, one Christian thinks is a monologue and I'm the only one doing it. Yeah. So, well, this is great. It's it pretty like, boring in my bo- head. We're also not so, like, I don't know that anyone would else be able to listen to this and like uh, make a rational argument against critical race theory, which we've been trying to do. But like, it's a bit scatterbrained. Right. Yeah. But I mean, like, maybe we, could, maybe we could do a few of these where we're like more focused on like one. Yeah. Because one we, issue yeah. and, and really tackle that. We tackled but, a couple, but. Uh, so, uh, yeah. like, this is a point that can kind of tie all this together. Um, we talked a lot about Marxism and, and Marxism is like a general framework for a lot of the movements we see in society today, identity politics, intersectionality, whether, whether you see that in, in gender theory or in black lives matter or in, um, whatever other critical theory that you want, it's all, it all ties back to Marxism and it all ties back to its roots of, um, oppressor versus oppressed, right? We have that. And um one thing that i realize is is we can trace that idea of the oppressor versus the oppressed we can trace that idea all the way back to the fall into sin so um adam and eve were 100 responsible for their fall into sin um, but what did they do they they claimed that someone else had put them in that situation so they were being oppressed by someone else they were misled by someone else right mm-hmm. so so Adam blamed Eve, right? And yeah. that's like a, a classic way of putting someone else, making someone else responsible for your situation. It's the same thing as, as claiming that you are oppressed by someone, right? Hmm. Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent. Um, but um, so, so they had that response right away to blame someone else, make someone else responsible for their situation. But then like the hope of Christianity is that um, God didn't leave us there. God gave us a way out, mm-hmm. right? God provided a savior as a way to, to level everything out. And then truly with that savior, we can say, I, I 
can name the text, but there's no Jew or Greek. There's no slave um, or free, slave or free, yeah. male or female, right? And then, and then it's through Christianity that we're all put on an equal playing field yep. in Christ, which is where it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like that's kind of my way of putting a putting all this into a biblical perspective mm. in a in a kind of a comprehensive way. Christianity truly is the only unifying message. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I like your analysis of the the, the beginning because it's. The, well, I, everyone should go listen to your your ninth episode, dude. I loved it. It was like the way you frame uh, the way God created this world in in and built into it the truths of right the ten you cover the ten commandments but the truths of what is in scripture are built into the world yeah built and, into the, like can, the foundation you can of creation. see it in like the first three chapters of the bible yeah right and yeah and then you can also see at, at the fall you know the the fundamentals of of everything that's happening now right like, exactly this is what they did and it's like that's no different than now yeah so so i forget who said it but I was listening to a podcast or something. It was a podcast and, and one, one commentator was on and he said, you know what, if we want to know more about how to operate in the world as Christians, we've got to go back and study Genesis one to three. And Mm -hmm. that will give us context for, for Mm -hmm. operating in the world. And like, there's so much truth to that. This is loops evolution back in. I just cannot in yeah. my mind. I mean, that's a whole different thing, but separate. Episode, I, cannot, yeah. I cannot fathom having, being able to have a comprehensive um, or coherent understanding of the Bible and Christian truth with evolution in there. You just can't do it. Well, we do have a fourth mic now, so we could get a good debate going if we got two sides. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ken Ham and no, <laughs> he comes at it from a certain angle. So it's uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyways, what were you going to say? Oh, uh, I mean, most people come at stuff from a certain angle. So no, yes. it's insightful. So it's you're saying like what your screen is just like a black blank screen. Yeah, no. Eyes are glazed over now. And you're like, uh. I, I don't know. I had not planned on saying that's a really good way. I think to you know to frame that it's like, um, yeah, the the Christian Christian truth is it's in the Bible. It's it's the only coherent framework and, to understand the Bible. These conflicts, like we often think of these of cultural conflicts as somewhat separated from religion. But these conflicts are not new and they go, they're like, there's a spiritual root. They go all mm-hmm. the way back to fall into sin. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe one thing, because I think this is kind of practical. Um, this could probably ties back into everything and we could probably go back in a big loop. But in the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking a bit about the disparity or the, the difference in the way you think. So we've just been talking about ideologies a lot, right? Which yeah. is like what you just said. So it's like, Christianity is the only coherent framework to view the world in. So we need to tackle, which is what we're doing on this podcast, is tackling, or just this episode, is is, is tackling ideologies that don't agree with the Bible. Yeah. And we're doing this at like a very like deep level, epistemological level, right? Sure. I want to use that word correctly. Yes. <laughs> sure. I'll give it to you. Right. But I, so, no. So it's like an epistemolo- epistemological arguments, right, that we're making – um, against different ideologies, ideology, you always say ideologies. Um, I say things weird. That was a very Trump motion. <laughs> um, get off your golden toilet. Continue. <laughs> so, so we're arguing like all we're doing is sitting and talking about this yeah. stuff, but in a very practical level, people, um, especially with racism, there's, there's very practical things that are happening in the world that are like, you know, this is affecting people's lives. So 
um, who was it who was saying, oh, John Piper was saying, um, critical race theory and critical theory in general, um, it's not helpful to say, stop just talking about it and point yeah. to blood in the streets and say, look it, like people are dying, people are getting hurt over this stuff. Do something practical. That's like a doctor who's saving people's lives, going to a politician and saying, hey, uh, COVID's a big problem. I'm trying to save people's lives over here. Get some gloves on. What are you doing making policies to try to save people? Yeah. That's not helping. I'm trying to help this guy. He's dying. Yeah. So there's really two ways to frame it. And, and it almost seems, you know, it can be viewed as not compassionate to be sitting here just talking about this stuff. Um, but I think it's, it's really important. So absolutely. I just like, there's some kind of rift there and some kind of tension, but I think it's important to so maybe, balance those two things. Yeah. So maybe on the practical side of things, like just for people, if, if you can pull a couple takeaways away from this <laughs> yeah. giant rambling conversation on <laughs> any number of issues. Hopefully it's been enjoyable at least. I hope people, yeah, it should spark conversations. Mostly I, questions. Probably, I've learned at least three things that like were ways of looking at the world I've never thought of before. I think it's so. probably more enjoyable for us than anyone else. <laughs> it's a bit of a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Self-indulgence here. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just going to say like, on your point, like we keep coming back to Christianity is the only um, ultimate worldview that makes sense. Yeah. Right. It's fundamentally true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we you just have to recognize that when we're dealing with all these other different ideologies, all these other different um, yeah, ways of thinking, they make different truth claims and they pull their knowledge, which is this epistemology you keep referring to wanting to reference properly that's that's their uh they're pulling knowledge from different sources mm -hmm. so like you know critical race theories like lived experience and like secular humanism and, and liberalism it's like it's it's only the stuff we can measure and see it's only rationality mm -hmm. whereas christianity i think properly bridges that divide between like um spiritual knowledge and, and eternally true knowledge which god has revealed yeah. to us in his word revealed knowledge yeah. uh, knowledge we have from creation which we use the scientific method yeah. which is a good God-given thing that we can use our rational human minds. Like God gives us logic and rationality. These aren't tools of a white patriarchy or anything. Mm -hmm. like, they've been around forever. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. how we discover the world. God created order, right? God created order. And if God created order, then we can expect science to work. Sci scientific yeah. inquiry, we can expect it to work. That's the only way. Yeah, that's the only way it would work. Uh, that's yeah. the only reason. If 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 evolution, the Big Bang is real, then scientific inquiry like, it should just falls, be a random just falls away. Yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't make that much sense? Yeah, mm -hmm. like things would just evolve, you know, separately. Yeah, I mean, there'd be obviously a lot of intermingling, but like, yeah. Anyways, we're getting into evolution. That's Speaking a whole other, yeah. whole other save discussion. that for another discussion. Yeah. So, well, so hopefully this is like. I just think that it's, 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 I'm hopeful that this discussion and like us talking about just broad level ideologies can help people frame the way they view practical problems and yeah. practical things in their life. So, and then maybe if we keep doing this, uh, three Christians think, uh, episodes or whatever, <laughs> yeah. uh, what do we call it? Thoughts, culture, culture quarter. Yeah, thoughts of the three amigos or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I just came up if we now. keep doing could this, be, maybe we bad. can help people, you know, yeah. uh, frame some of the problems that they come across in life whether whether it be like in their job or like dealing with racism or yeah, practical or, issues or, or yeah being and, forced to yeah go under critical race theory we can, training at work or yeah, something yeah, like right, that right. there's only so many examples that i can come across until you know yeah. it's not helpful anymore but cool yeah. well yeah, we could wrap this up uh producer Tim, any last words no nah. oh i don't i don't have anything else to say it's been a great discussion i've had a great time here 
Um, and like, truly, like, I, I hope that it's been helpful. Um, and I hope to do it again and, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, carry on the discussion. Yeah, I don't like, know if we covered everything that was in our outline and all our notes oh, that no, we wrote down, but plenty more. We went all over the place, but no, I, I think it was it was reasonably comprehensive. So hopefully, uh, people can follow along, and I think uh, yeah, it'll lead to more study and more uh, yeah, more interest in, in different topics, perhaps. But yeah. so. I would just say too, like you know, this was an off the cuff discussion for three hours. So <laughs> you find a few opinions in here where you're like, I don't know, these guys like send us an email feedback more than happy feedback. to clarify or, yeah. or change your minds yeah. or see something from a different perspective. Or if you, or if we said a name that you weren't sure who the person was, um, ask us and we can, yeah, we can send you, you the show notes on this one. We got lots. Uh, so. there's, a, there's a lot of names that we brought up. So, yeah. yeah. So, so even, even just, just topics for future discussion. Um, if you want clarification on ideas or, or, us to dig in drill down into something into, specifically yeah if you want right. mike to go into like if you guys US like mike let us know <laughs> we'll bring him back no i mean like mike's uh if you go back go listen to one christian things it's like right. a very good deep dive well-researched deep dive into some of these things so uh, cool. i appreciate that but yeah also yeah. no, keep yeah keep it up with your podcast so. thank you all right well, very excited about it. this has been the three amigos talking <laughs> about culture and tim three amigos three and amigos tim. plus tim <laughs> he's the that's some cultural the appropriation right? ah, a little bit maybe we started but... and ended with a cultural appropriation <laughs> yeah. and we'll be back yeah. next time folks so keep having real conversations <laughs> Get good stuff time. cheers Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk. If you'd like to send us some feedback, you can email us at reformedrealtalk at gmail.com. If you want to find us online, go to realtalkpodcast.ca. If you're looking for us on social media like Facebook or Instagram, or if you want to find us in your favorite podcast app, just search Reformed Real Talk and we should come up. Uh, we look forward to your feedback as that is what helps us grow and improve as podcasters, podcast hosts. This show, Real Talk, is produced by myself, Lucas Holtbluer, and Tyler Vanderwood. Photo and video credits go to Tim Van Woodenberg from Timeless Photography. Theme music was produced by Calvin Hutt. Thanks for watching. We hope you enjoyed and that you were informed and inspired. And please keep having real conversations. Till next time. Bye-bye.